right. Welcome back for another special episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are here to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling in five to ten minutes a day. Uh, and John, this is a special, so we'll be going a little bit more than five or ten minutes today. Yep, yep. We, we managed to talk for almost a half hour last week, but uh, not sure we'll go that long, but, you know, whatever flows. That was funny last week. You know, we were talking about a show that is realistically, uh, by the time you subtract commercials out, was probably about 40 minutes. Right. And we we went just about 40 minutes talking about <laughs> this last week. So it was that good. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, last night, uh, Tales from the Territory, episode number two continued. This time it was Andy Kaufman versus the King of Memphis. Of course, Jerry Lawler is who they're referring to. Again, Tales from the Territory is by Vice TV and Seven Bucks Production um, in association with the creators of Dark Side of the Ring, Jason Eisner and Evan Husney. So um, executive producer is The Rock. So, of course, it's uh, it's good stuff. And, John, last week you and I talked. It seemed like all we did was learn on the episode last week. We didn't know anything about the Memphis Territory. Well, this week... We're still in Memphis, but this is like the one thing that we knew something about, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was if you asked me about the Memphis territory, I would I would tell you Jerry Lawler. If you asked me about any storyline in the history of wrestling uh, in of the Memphis territory, I would tell you Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman, and literally that would be where it ends. Right, right. And so I think in general, in general, uh, I knew the story um of what was going on and you know i saw the movie ages ago i didn't i didn't watch it before this episode which would have been would have been fun but you know the man on the moon movie that lawler and letterman and everybody was in and, uh jim carrey played uh andy kaufman i saw that ages ago but so i so i knew the story pretty much i haven't read jerry lawler's uh book have you read that by chance no no i have not yeah so i think he detailed you know a lot of this stuff in there but yeah, so I hadn't had a chance to read that, but um, so anyway, like we said before, this episode centered around Continental Wrestling Association, which is apparently Memphis. Uh, their biggest feud ever: Jerry the King Lawler versus Hollywood's Andy Kaufman. Uh, the 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 panel was the same as last week. It was Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Hart, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, and Dutch Mantel, uh, and they kick off the episode talking about the Mid South Coliseum. And just a, a small kind of like throwaway point, but 10,000 people each Monday, they had to draw to that Mid-South Coliseum. And we talked briefly about it last week, John, how um, they're, bringing, they're bringing the same fans back to the same building week after week is, is, is not something that anybody could do today. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, every day, and I didn't realize that they, uh, I get the, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure about the way they talked about it. Saturday morning was the big show where seven out of every 10 TVs in the territory were watching them. And they said that that was a 90 minute commercial for what was going to go on on Monday night. Right. Monday night was TV two or Monday night was just get everybody in the building. We were, I, I wasn't, you know, I don't really know, yeah. but I, I feel like they must've taped Monday night, you know, if it wasn't on TV, they they surely they, they taped it because that's when all the big angles and the big matches were. So yeah, yeah. so they they were filling that building twice a week, yeah. and 
and you know when they when they had a good angle, which obviously this one, you know, they were turning people away, knowing that right. they get you know ten thousand, maybe ten thousand five hundred people in the building, and they were turning people away for weeks. Yeah, every everyone would come into Memphis to face Jerry Lawler, but when they got to this one, it was it was weird. It didn't start this way though. No. I, I mean, I guess overall, when you look at the entire episode, was there was there anything that, um, in you know, you you have the the feud with, uh, was her name Foxy, and you had you know the, the the feud with Jerry and the David Letterman show. Was there a, was there a portion of the episode that you found the that you got the most out of, like that you you learned the most? Well, yeah, the the part that I absolutely had no real background on, you know, it's nineteen eighty two. Okay, yeah. so I'm I'm eight years old, so I'm not really aware that all this stuff is going on. Uh, I knew that it happened later. I knew that there, you know, I knew he was doing the intergender thing. What I didn't realize is that Kaufman, it was Kaufman's dream to be a wrestler. Like I, I, I thought maybe this was one of those things where, because he was so eclectic, he got bored with Hollywood and said, "Hey, let's try this." No, he, you know, grew up. Uh, watching Nature Boy Buddy Rogers uh, knew that the man in front of him was trying to make the people hate him and he still loved him anyway, did Kaufman and it was his dream to do this, to be a heel wrestler and in pursuit of that dream he was doing this he, he was doing that whole intergender you know offer a thousand dollars to any woman who could come uh, come up to the stage and try and beat him he was doing this on mike douglas merv griffin and at stand-up uh you know arena you know like where, wherever he would normally go and ply his trade as a stand-up comic he was doing this wrestling gimmick and it became his passion the the way that this all happened I, this part I had no idea. Maybe it was in the movie. I'm probably was in the movie, but it, like like you said, I watched it when it first came out or first came to DVD, whatever, and haven't watched it since. Yeah, he approached Vince Junior with this. Uh, Vince Senior, excuse me. Vince Junior would have jumped out of his skin for it. Vince Senior right. <laughs> said, you know, maybe bringing a guy in from Hollywood's going to make everyone think, you know, or make people think directors. So I don't want to do it. And all Kaufman wanted to do was to finally do this gimmick that he had been doing on the comedy circuit and on, you know, TV late night shows. He wanted to do it in front of wrestling fans to get that feedback of the heel. Yeah. And that part, that was the part I had. That was one of the two big things I had no idea about and was just like amazed really. Yeah. I thought it was great. And Jerry Lawler is kind of recounting this whole thing uh, for us when we when you watch the tales show and he talks about how you know what you mentioned the buddy rogers stuff and how when andy was doing stand-up is you know before he got famous he would try to make the audience uncomfortable you know he wouldn't go so far as to try to make them make him make them dislike him but he would try to make them uncomfortable uh with him and so like you mentioned, he pitches this whole sh his whole shtick to Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon turns him down. But it's Bill Apter who is there. Who Bill Apter's, uh, you know, famous publisher and writer for the for the wrestling magazines. He's there, and he gives Kaufman 
Jerry Jarrett's phone number and says, these guys draw big crowds down in Memphis. You should call them. They will be interested in, in hearing you out. And so Jerry Jarrett doesn't, he's like, he picks up the phone. He talks to him. He's like, I don't know. Am I being pranked here? Is this even <laughs> Kaufman? <laughs> so it's kind of classic, I thought, to kind of show you the relationship with these, these individuals. He pawns Kaufman off on the king and says, talk to the king. So the, the, the king, king dropped the sus out whether or not that Kaufman is legit. And uh, Jerry brings them, they, they agree, they put it, bring him right in. And, you know, the thing that was interesting to me that I don't think I knew this beforehand is that all these women that he would bring up at these shows, live shows, uh, and then also at wrestle at wrestling shows, the first a uh, couple of weeks that he was in Memphis, he did 10 different women. They were just randomly picked from the crowd. They were shoot, yeah. they were shoot fights, so to speak. Yeah. That was, that was the other thing that blew me away was that, you know, he had done all he had done on the, the comedy circuit and the late night circuit. And then he goes down to Memphis and for the first, almost he's almost a month into his wrestling career. And so far everything's legit. There's yeah. nothing's prearranged and you know he doesn't have any training and they don't know who he's pulling out of the crowd and he's he's wrestling five women a night and you know and it's just that's astonishing it, it, like it's literally it's not until after he you know he beats all five women the first time second time around as we as you mentioned earlier this foxy manhandles him a little bit cuz she's a, a larger gal but she gets all blowed up, as they say these days. You know, she loses her wind, and he eventually is able to pin her. And that's when Lawler steps in. Like, Lawler knows he's got a, a money draw here. Yeah. That's when he steps in and goes, you know, he cut, I think he said he cut a, cut a promo saying, like, I think I can give her a couple of tips, and then she'll beat him. At this point, there's still no plan for Andy to ever wrestle a male or, yeah, and, and you know, by extension, a professional wrestler. So it's just, it, it, they're, they're a month into this career, his career, bringing him down to Memphis and drawing and selling out the building, which I guess they kind of were already doing anyway. But, you know, he's an added buzz. Yeah. And there's not a bit of planning in any of it, which is and, astonishing for a professional wrestler. And, and what's amazing is Kaufman is just so happy to live out this dream. Right. He he does the the five women the first week and he goes to the back and he's like, how was it? And they're like, oh, my God, it was great. And they're thinking, I need we, we just need to pull more money out of this situation. We got to do a return. And so he says, you got to come back next week. Jerry King Lawler says this to Kaufman. You got to come back next week. And Kaufman's response is, really? I get to come back? <laughs> so 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 Kaufman is living out his dream. And uh, the two Jerry's, the King and and Jared, are like, okay, back the money truck up. We'll we'll you know as much as as much as we can, uh, and keep on keep on coming back. So, so like you mentioned, he beats five women the first week. He beats four women handily the second week. Which, by the way, if he's just randomly picking them out of the crowd, why does he pick the big ones? <laughs> <laughs> give yourself a break and pick you know but he does pick this foxy who's on the bigger side and it builds to the rematch and they do the rematch and it's funny you know there's this whole thing that kaufman says you know if foxy can beat me she can marry me <laughs> and and she says on the slide to jerry lawler 
I wouldn't marry Andy Kaufman if he was the last man on earth. And, <laughs> and it's funny, you know, because, and then she's talking to Dutch Mantel and asking for advice and Dutch is like, just, you know, I, if I were you, I'd try to, you know, take him early. And, uh, and she does in the early part of the match, she takes the advantage. Uh, but like you mentioned, she eventually blows up in this match as well. And, and Kaufman gets the pin, but Kaufman abused her towards the back end of the match. You know, he was like rubbing her face in the mat and stuff. And that's when the Jerry Lawler stuff comes in because she was Jerry's protege for lack of a better word. Right. She, she's the one who was, he, he was, the, uh, he was the one who said, you know, if I give her a few tips, she ought to be able to beat Kaufman. No problem. And so he has to come in to defend her a little bit. And he just, he just gives Kaufman a little shove, right? Nothing serious. No big deal, just a little shove. But, but Kaufman sells it like he's been, you know, punched directly in the face for a shoot. And uh, when he goes down, and, and you know, it's the whole "you can't hit me." I, I'm from Hollywood. You can, I'll sue you, and I'll sue you, and you, and you. It's like Anna J. With "I'll choke you, I'll choke you, I'll choke you." He's, he's suing everybody, uh, and that starts the big Kaufman Lawler program. They get to the back, and they start developing a program. So. Um, and then John, what did you think of the actual match? Cause I have some thoughts. April 5th, 1982 is the match that we build to it's Kaufman and Lawler. Um, now in the, in the show, we didn't get to see the full match right. or anything like that, but I think we essentially did. So yeah, just, uh, uh, your thoughts on, on what we saw. Uh, it's what amazed me the most about the actual in ring action is that you know, in today's day and age, if you're an outsider and you're being brought into the wrestling business, if you know, Vince is the one bringing you and you go down to the PC, you could work out there for months to get ready. Like Bad Bunny. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're, you know, if you're anywhere else in the country, everyone's got some kind of training area with a ring set up and whatnot. Not only did they not have that. They couldn't even go down to the Coliseum because this is ironclad kayfabe. Oh, yeah. No one could know what was going on. The match was worked through in Jerry's good buddy who would serve as the referee's living room. Yeah. yeah. They, they bring they bring uh, Kaufman down, back down to Memphis. They meet, you know, clandestine in this guy's living room. And Jerry's taking him through the, the lift for the suplex and what it's going to be like for the pile driver. And so the, th the thing that stood out the most to me was when we get to the match, which, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't going to knock your socks off. That is the first time Andy Kaufman is really taking bumps and he's taking them from a professional and, you know, a suplex I'm sure is no fun. You know, I've taken a few of them into the pool with, you know, buddies and my brother and whatnot as a kid. I've never I've never slapped the mat with my back and a pile driver can't be any fun at all. And he takes two big ones. Yeah. And it, it was just it impressed the hell out of me that uh, that something didn't go bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, the first thing I noticed was he does what a lot of modern heels do first the bell rings he rolls out he rolls out and he's you know taunting the crowd and taunting the opponent or whatever and um so the whole match is really only three moves headlock suplex pile driver 
And uh, Jerry only gets Kaufman back in the ring because he's going to give Kaufman the headlock. Right. And what I thought was so. So what I thought was really cool with this headlock is to watch Jerry work because he gets in the headlock, and it, you know it's he kind of know you know the situation, and he is using his hands to motion to the crowd, like just give me one more second. We're gonna lull this guy into a false sense of security, and then Lawler picks him up and does this belly to back suplex. Which, by the way, I I hear you. I thought Kaufman might die right there. Yeah. <laughs> see that? Like Jerry you, said, he folded in half. High he angle. Took that bump. <laughs> yes. Super high angle. It looked nasty, gnarly, and man, and then. The pile driver, which I guess I never really knew what the finish to this match was. I knew that, you know, Kaufman would wear a neck brace, you know, forever after this. But I didn't realize that, oh, the pile driver was, you know, outlawed by the athletic commission and it was a DQ. And then all the all the the adulation from the fans and Lawler's like, what do I what am I going to I guess I'll give him another one. (laughs) Another one. And then. You know, last week we talked about Memphis and their commitment to keeping it real. And it struck me when you hear the whole Andy Kaufman thing. What we know about Andy Kaufman is that he kind of lived this, this, he lived the character, whether, you know, and he would never come out of character. And here you have this guy who takes these two pile drivers and he sells he is selling it for everything he's worth he refuses to get up he says you're gonna have to bring me an ambulance and the referee goes to jerry and says you know he says he needs an ambulance and jerry's like it'll cost 300 bucks i don't want to do you know an ambulance job here kaufman will pay for it he's like bring the ambulance so kaufman sells for like 30 minutes while the ambulance comes which also says to me two things. First of all, they should have had the ambulance on hand in case something went wrong, <laughs> I think. But those yeah. were the, this is the territory days and it didn't, <laughs> didn't have that kind of thing. But for 30 minutes, and if you did, if you think like laying in the middle of the ring with 10,000 of your uh, closest enemies around you is bad enough, he would then go to the hospital and sell it for thir- three days, working the doctors, working the nurses, and and, and they got a ton of publicity jimmy hart was talking about all the tv stations that were covering this and stuff so yeah uh i mean we know that's true right that we know that's why you know this is such a big angle in wrestling history is that all the publicity that was worked off it but it was three moves and one of the biggest matches really in the history of of wrestling especially the big one of the biggest matches to ever happen on a a non-national platform yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things that, again, b- before I even knew what the territories were, and you know, when when I when the only wrestling I knew was Vince's product that I you know, which wasn't necessarily on constantly, and certainly not multiple times a week like it is now. Somehow, I still knew that this moment existed. Yeah, and yeah. It, like it's just been part of pop culture for my essentially my most of my lifetime and and yet you know they they don't he goes to the hospital and they do they say he's there for three days but what they don't like hammer on until like later in the episode 
is that he never, like you said, he never stopped selling in the hospital. He was working the doctors. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't talking to anyone. Lawler didn't hear from him for a week. Jerry Jarrett didn't hear from him for a week. Jerry Jarrett actually started to get nervous because yeah. he wasn't hearing anything. He was worried, you know, that the, the next thing he was going to hear was from a lawyer or something. And, yeah. and you know, meanwhile, it's making national news. And he's in the hospital and he's not just in the hospital for a couple of, you know, to, to catch a couple of promotional folks. Like he's there as if he's a patient patient. He's in traction for part of it. <laughs> this, this man was, uh, he was the spirit of everything wrestling in that era should have been just in the body of, you know, a 145 pound man, you know, soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. <laughs> okay. So, Three minutes in the middle of the ring selling. That's pretty great. Three days in the hospital. That's going above and beyond. This man wouldn't take the neck brace off afterwards, though. Like, he was continuing to keep kayfabe. And it and it took Taxi, the hit show that he was on. You know, it was like the number one show in, in, the, in the country. Yes. It took them saying, listen, if you don't take that thing off, we're going to have to write you off the show. That's what it took to get that neck brace off of Andy Kaufman. And, uh, you know, I, Lawler was telling uh, telling more stories on this, and he talked about how Kaufman would tell him that Tony Danza was pissed. And and Tony Danza apparently had a little bit of a boxing background, and yeah. he wanted to come to Memphis and back up uh, back up Kaufman. And, and, uh, and <laughs> Kaufman's like, I don't really want to smarten him up. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry's like, well, then if you don't smarten him up and he comes down here, we're, you know, the only thing, only thing we can, we're going to have to hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> so Goffman's like, well, let's not do that. Then. Yeah, <laughs> probably not the best thing. <laughs> and okay. So we've talked about the, you know, the, him getting into the business and we talked about the big match, April 5th, 1982. I think the other thing that, um, there was the heavily focused on in this show. And the other thing that really makes this angle famous is that David Letterman show. Yes. I, and I don't know which one is, you know, cart horse, chicken, egg. I don't know which one actually made the whole angle famous. If it was the Letterman show or if it was just, you know, Kaufman going there. Uh, they obviously both got national publicity, but uh, Kaufman just calls Lawler and says, would you like to be on the Letterman show? And Jerry's like, without blinking, of course. <laughs> Let me think about it. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Kaufman's idea that Lawler takes a swipe at him. Uh, but Lawler says, I can't do that. They're going to arrest me if I do that. Well, and besides the fact, Lawler's thought, and it was, you would think that he would have been 100% right, you know, the show's taped at, you know, most of I, I nowadays they tape it at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know what time it was back then, but they tape it and edit it down. He said, they won't put it on air. You right. know, I'll get arrested and they're not, it's not going to make air anyway. So, you know, that's probably not a good idea. And I think, you know, he didn't really say it, but what I, I kind of gathered was he was feeling like the, sh the, the show just was boring or something. Yeah, like the nothing was happening. Yeah. Uh, so at the toward the end of the segment, Lawler just gets up and and smacks it, smacks the shit out of him. Really, <laughs> uh, and then the, the whole thing he goes, they take him to the back uh, to the green room, which he says is usually buzzing, but now there's nobody there, and 
10 minutes goes by. He says usually during, you know, this kind of thing, they take a two-minute break between segments or whatever, and they're right back at it. They took 10 minutes. So this was, you know, they were really trying to figure things out. Then they bring Lawler back out. And at this point, Lawler's sitting down when they come back from commercial, and Kaufman is off, off stage. And Letterman turns to Andy and says, Andy, are you going to come in here for this? And Kaufman comes in, and he comes in, in a, I guess the word was a tirade of offensive language uh, at his disposal, <laughs> slinging all that stuff. And he threw water at Jerry, and uh, it, it made for great TV. <laughs> And yeah, and and I guess the, the thing that I didn't know once again, this is one of those things that when it happened, I wasn't a watcher of late night. I was, you know, I wasn't ten years old yet. Right. Uh, but I always kind of knew, you know, once I knew who, you know, when I got to high school, I guess I started to know who Letterman was because he, you know, he was kind of like he was ECW, you know, like uh, yeah. Leno, you know, uh, the Johnny turning over to Leno was the WWF. They were that was the established thing. Letterman was the one that was coming up. And then by the time I was high school, it was like super cool to, to watch Letterman. <laughs> you know, when I got to college at Seton Hall, there were three different bootleg T-shirts with Letterman top ten lists on them about stuff that just you know was inside jokes amongst the Seton Hall people. And like Letterman was cool, right? But I and I knew that this existed and. What I didn't realize was this was Letterman's first season. Yeah. He was just getting his feet wet. He was just establishing what his show was going to be. And I guess that probably played into them saying, screw it. Let's leave as much of it in as possible. Essentially, all they did was bleep the blue streak of obscenity that Kaufman came at Lawler with, and they left the whole thing in. And, and Lawler talks about, you know, Nobody talked to him after it, you know, someone like kind of like hustled him to the elevator because I, I guess they had a little bit of a, the Letterman show had a little bit of a relationship with Kaufman and they knew, or at least this one particular producer or whatever knew that he was a little bit off his rocker. And he says to Lola, like, you know, he may wind up calling the cops on you, you know, right. like, you may get arrested here. So I'm going to take you right to, I don't know if it was a private elevator or whatever. I'm going to take you to the elevator that we're going to take you right down the street, put you in a cab, or I think he walked across the street to his hotel or whatever, but we're going to get you out of the building. So this doesn't get worse. And Lawler's in his hotel room, no contact with anyone, no idea how this is going to play out. And he turns on his TV at 1130 that night or whenever, or maybe it was midnight when uh, uh, Letterman was airing at the time and sees all of it yeah and he's like blown away and and jeff jarrett's like oh my god this is this is real so jeff would have been pretty young at the time but uh jeff jarrett's watching at home and he's like oh my god this this angle is real so <laughs> another thing that struck me is it's kind of a parallel to something we talked about last week last week we talked about the symphony and how when they came up out of the that you know the symphony was playing and then they they would bring the ring up and the fans didn't really know what to make of it and, and eventually got they got the fans kind of involved um and they became a good crowd for the match this in this week jerry lawler talks about you know the going back during the break uh after the slap 
And when he comes back out, he says they have transformed into a wrestling crowd now. <laughs> he 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 got all the boos and all that stuff. Which another thing that was funny is it's this whole like Heart Foundation dynamic, right? Because if you were to take that that same thing, show, put it down in Memphis, Jerry Lawler's not getting booed there. <laughs> but uh, I'm New York, I presume, is where the Letterman show was. You put that show in in New York, and Kaufman is the baby face. So. It, it's hard. How would how would Kaufman ever come off as a baby? <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm sure most of New York didn't know who the hell Jerry Lawler was. No, it was um, the king so of Memphis. You know, yeah, <laughs> but he's right there in front of him. So uh, it was just amazing. And the and I, where I thought you were going with the parallel last week was here we are again. Mem- you know, the Memphis territory. That symphony match is in uh, the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that's that's oh, yeah. that's pretty big. This Letterman moment with a wrestler that most of the crowd didn't know, and a guy who, while he was on the number one comedy on TV, he was there weren't a lot of Latka episodes. There weren't a lot of episodes sure. where Latka was the main guy. You know, he he was just kind of there. He was the comic in a comedy show. He was the comic relief. You know. So, but he wasn't terribly well known. He was on a big, big show, but he wasn't a major, major player. This moment on Letterman was listed on a top 100 TV moments of all time list. So, once again, the Memphis Territory making history in a big, big way. And again, it's, you know, it's. And uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, it, it, this is yeah. little, this little thing, big, big impact. And the other thing is, um, and I thought you were start starting to go this way when something you were saying earlier is that it was Letterman's first season, and many, many years later, when they're filming the Man on the Moon movie, David Letterman actually says to Jerry the King Lawler that they, for years, they called this the famous episode, and Jerry would say, "What do you, what do you mean by that?" And Letterman explained that they attributed their fame for the Letterman show to this episode. Like this was the one that made them famous. So they called it the famous episode. I thought that was pretty cool credit. Yeah, yeah. It put it put them on the map. It made, you know, it it was what it was like the attitude era. You know, it was yeah. the holy crap, did you hear what happened? Now we've got to tune in to see what kind of random crazy crap is gonna happen again. Yeah. Like that was the one that made people start paying attention to Letterman. Like, ooh, this guy's doing, you know, he's not doing the the buttoned up, you know, the comedian comes out and does five minutes of his cleanest material in a shirt and tie. Crazy stuff's going on over here. And you know, it's it's funny that you were mentioning, like, you know, we're both, you know, you grew up in New Jersey, I'm upstate New York, and we're both kind of isolated from this stuff that was going on in in the territories outside of the WWF. And, um, but when Jerry Lawler first showed up in, uh, in WWF to do commentary and stuff around WrestleMania 10, everybody knew him. I knew him. I knew him and I, I knew him and I didn't watch that stuff. (laughs) So it's like, um, but the, the, the fame that kind of came off of that, uh, we all, we all knew him. So, so leaving Letterman, they said Kaufman was now just part of the territory. 
you know, he was there. They did all kinds. Of, Jerry said they did every kind of return bout that you could think of. Kaufman put a $5,000 bounty on Lawler, or anybody that could take him out, put him in the hospital. Uh, they did, uh, Kaufman and Jimmy Hart did handicap matches. So they did everything they possibly could to, to get, uh, to get this as much money as they could out of the Cole Kaufman angles. Yeah. Yeah. They, they wrung that towel out until it was almost dry. And you know what? They may have come up with more if not for how Andy's life would turn. Yeah. Very sad. Uh, so, so Jimmy Hart takes Andy Kaufman after a number of shows, I guess to the gates of Elvis's house. And this is pretty weird. <laughs> but Andy Kaufman stands at the gates uh, of Elvis's house and he writes his name in chalk and he meditates in front of Elvis's house. And I guess he was just a huge, huge Elvis fan. Uh, a weird, weird thing, but something he did. And Jimmy noticed that during one of these sessions, that Andy had a bit of a cough and he said, Oh, it's probably because, you know, you came up, you keep coming down here from New York, New York, the temperature was in the thirties. It's warmer down here. So it's probably just the change in temperature. You got a head cold or whatever. And then Kaufman's on uh, the Jerry Lawler show, which who knew that existed. <laughs> and it, it was Sunday mornings. So now you've got a third television show in a week, all based right. around this tiny little wrestling territory. Right. So they do a back, stage interview type of thing with with Kaufman and Kaufman coughs during the interview and he comes up to Jerry afterwards which at this point by the way they are friends and he says I'm sorry I I'm sorry I coughed during the interview I was just diagnosed with lung cancer so wow here he is he's still showing up at all these wrestling events he's got lung cancer uh he dies at the age I think they said 39 36 36 so yeah. he dies at the age of 36. Um, I'm going to update that in my notes. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of that's very tragic. And, you know, they they interview Lawler after Kaufman's death. And Lawler says, you know, he, he basically keeps it kayfabe. And he's like, I wish they wouldn't ask me about Andy Kaufman. I feel bad he's he's dead and everything. But when somebody dies, you should really ask the people, ask people uh, that like him about you know, so uh so they keep a kayfabe and fast forward many many years when they're filming that movie kaufman's parents hated jerry for years and they told him so uh not just his parents the whole family because andy never smartened them up never 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 let his family in on any of it yeah so. dutch mantel would say that the kaufman lawler angle was the greatest angle he ever saw and he kept himself in the dark they would talk about how andy kaufman kept wrestling real which like we mentioned before was the formula for success for memphis he never cashed a single check from any of his wrestling work so this truly was kaufman living out his dream uh and jerry lawler says andy kaufman should be in the WWE hall of fame yes and uh he even cites Triple H as saying that uh, Triple H apparently has said in the past that the business was changed by Kaufman. So, uh, so apparently there's a maybe a push. Maybe we'll see that happen pretty soon here. 
That would be pretty awesome. I mean, you got to you got to start running out of celebrities to put in that celebrity ring wing at some point. And yeah. uh, you know, he's the, the who was it? Was it Jeff Jarrett that said, uh, you know, he basically put the E in, you know, he, he's the one who allowed them to go from the F to the E because he made it entertainment. And yeah. It made it kind of cross over, you know, like yeah, you know, WWF did the whole rock and wrestling thing and that started their whole crossover. But this was before that. Yeah. So this was this. Was, and like I like I said in the beginning, and I just it tickles me to think, you know, Vince was Vince Jr. was with the company for a long time. Yeah. Before buying his father out. And in fact, if I remember correctly, he bought his father out in 82, I believe. Around that time. Yeah. So the idea that now he must not have been in the same room when <laughs> yeah. Andy approached his dad, because okay. knowing he was preparing to, you know, take over the company, it must. You like, would have you know, wanted to sign him to a five year deal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who knows if Vince Jr. would admit it, but if when he found out about this, he must have punched a hole in a wall. Yeah. The, the, the idea that his father passed on all this crossover exposure. You know, the sad thing though is um, you know, this this the big match was in 82. Andy was probably gone before Vince's really, you know, Hulkamania took off, basically. Yeah. yeah. So very sad. Next week. We go to the AWA, so we're picking up and moving over to the middle of the country, and it looks like the panel consists of Ken Patera, Medusa, or Alundra Blaze, Diamond Dallas Page, Steve Olsonowski, who is Steve O, and I think Greg Gagne is in there. So uh, that's going to be the panel for next week's episode. I'm pretty eager. I, you know, I've I've heard a lot about awa but it's similar to memphis i really haven't watched any yeah when, when i think of awa and i'm not even 100 percent sure about what i'm about to say in my mind i remember reading some story in some magazine that my mother was probably pissed that i bought when i was in fifth grade because it had somebody with a bloody face on the cover or whatever <laughs> and I, I remember reading that the AWA was kind of the main territory that Vince pillaged. Oh yeah. Started to go national. And uh, once again, that's about all I know. So Okerland, Heenan, the list goes on and on the big, uh, I think we'll probably hear uh, stories about Heenan and Bachwinkle. And um, from what I understand, the, the Heenan, Bobby Heenan and Nick Bockwinkle dynamic is very similar to what they were, what AEW was trying to do with the Don Callis and Kenny Omega um, dynamic. Okay. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be a fun episode for us to, to learn. We're going to be doing a bunch of learning next week as well. So absolutely. John, anything else? No, just, uh, you know, just the fact that I was I, I was a little worried about this episode that because I did know a little bit about this, that, uh, you know, how much of this is going to be stuff I've heard before. Well, I was not disappointed. I did plenty of learning on this one, just like the first one. So once again, these two, uh, Evan and um, uh, the two guys from Dark Side of the Ring. Jason. Together, Jason, that's it. Yeah. Are just just putting together another killer show. Yep. Absolutely. So we will be back here next week to talk about the AWA show. Also, 
Of course, we our daily show comes out every morning, five to ten minutes a day. You can learn the history of pro wrestling. John DeConi, this morning was one of your episodes, Bret Hart winning the WWF championship for the first time at a house show. House show in Saskatoon. Yeah, and and hey, you know, if you're short on time, this is one of the ones where I actually made it under that 10 minute mark. So, you know, <laughs> it's right there for you. It's very easily digestible and it's a lot of fun. We should we should say that like it averages because sometimes <laughs> sometimes I come in under the five minute mark. So John will go over the 10 and I'll come under the five. So, you know, on average, you're getting seven. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. We will see you next week, and Ho, and you can uh, hear us tomorrow.